At the beautiful Scots College in Sydney's eastern suburbs, I sat down with Hugh Chilton, an historian, teacher and researcher into how Australia's identity as a Christian nation changed during the 1960s, 70s and 80s. Hugh and I spoke about the impact of Dr Billy Graham's 1959 crusade, which packed out stadiums in both Melbourne and Sydney and across Australia, as well as the cultural shift that occurred in the next few decades. Hugh also talks about Scott's College, where he works, and its partnership with Indigenous communities, which enables boys from all over Australia to come and learn at the college. I'm Carl Fays, and this is my interview with Hugh Chilton. So, Hugh, tell us where we are and what do you do here? Yeah, Carl, we're here at the Scots College in Bellevue Hill in Sydney, near the harbour, near Bondi Beach, and I have the privilege of teaching boys, teaching boys history, and I'm also Director of Research and Professional Learning, so helping our staff to really catch the vision and be able to do the best job possible so, by their boys. Yeah, that's interesting. Research and professional development, is that, like, that is mostly for the teachers or is it both? Yeah, mainly for the teachers, and, um, but also trying to share what we learn here with others. Yep. So partnerships with schools and universities around the world. It's a really exciting place to be. As a Christian, does, it, does that influence what you do here? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I think we are made for a purpose and uh, it's such a privilege as an educator to think about not just who's this child and uh, what are their gifts and abilities and what can they do, but, but what's God calling them to do in the world? I often think of the boys who come through a school like this you know, they could be William Wilberforces, they could go on and have a kind of a, a hinge effect on the course of history. So it's such a privilege and, um, and to be able to be open about your faith and, uh, and to work with such amazing boys and staff is, is a real privilege. What was the pivotal point in your life from a faith perspective? Yeah, I grew up in a Christian family and, you know, at the time you sort of, you know, push back against that, but it was a great privilege. My dad's a, a minister in a church and I think I probably enjoyed going to church each week yep. and things like that. But looking back, I think, you know, Jesus was, was probably a little bit abstract mm -hmm. and, and probably a bit of a means to an end. I was a pretty ambitious young guy um, and um, Jesus was convenient at points. So I, I took a year off after school, um, travelled to the UK uh, and, um, and kind of lived fairly, um, fairly uninterruptedly there. And I remember I would backpack all through Europe and have a, a big Bible in my backpack, and I took it everywhere I went, but I never actually read it. <laughs> and um, I remember one afternoon, very clearly, uh, the people I was living with went out to a, a nightclub called The Church. It was a Sunday afternoon. I thought, that's a bridge too far for me. <laughs> so I, uh, I was sitting there. I was probably a bit bored, a bit prompted, and I just started reading the Bible. And I, I remember, you know, flicking through and... Uh, a verse from the psalm, Psalm 27, verse 8, just kind of leapt, you know, leapt off mm, the page at mm. me. And it said, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. And I think, you know, something happened. The Holy Spirit um, just made clear to me there that God wanted to talk to me yeah. and um, he wanted to have a relationship with me. And, um, and yeah, and I just was blown away at, uh, at the opportunity to have that relationship with the, the maker of the universe. Uh, why this career? Uh, a lot of accidents and, um, and you know, just No other the openings? Next step. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Looked around. But, um, just, you know, just taking the next steps and saying, all right, what, what, what might God be putting before me? Mm. But I do think, um, having been in schools for, for some years now, I think I'm really convinced that 
being part of the formation of, of young lives um, has this kind of ripple effect. You know, you can shape families and communities and, and whole nations, and you can do that across generations. So, um, you know, a bit like, you know, the little seed that gets planted growing into the big oak. Um, it's, it's pretty special to be doing something that can have lasting and, and eternal impact. Yeah. You know, a significant piece of research around a PhD. Why did you do the research on that? Yeah, I was... Uh, you know, studying Australian history and uh, finding that there's kind of this, there's this missing element to the story that we tell ourselves about what it means to be Australian, where we've come from, what's important. Um, you know, we often think about Australia having been a, a British nation, a white nation, um, a, and a Christian nation, and that very kind of obviously fading away to the way we are today. Um, but, you know, Good historians know that nothing's inevitable, uh, nothing has a straight linear progression to it. And so I was really curious about, well, you know, how do we get to where we are today? Mm. And particularly the relationship between Christian faith and what it means to be Australian. Something's changed there. Yep. How did that happen? What did that mean? And what does that mean for us today? Now, you put that down to a pivotal period of time, and it wasn't from, you know, kind of the beginning of this modern Australian history, that in the middle of the 20th century, something shifted. And you looked at two points. What were the two points? Yeah, so um, the, the 60s and 70s, and I think framed by the 1959 uh, Billy Graham crusade, which was this incredible moment. Perhaps we'll talk a bit more about yeah. that. This incredible moment of public religion in Australia. And uh, his last visit to Australia in 1979, when you could really see that mm. you know, a lot had changed and Christianity had lost that, that central place in not just people's spiritual life, but in defining what it meant mm. to be Australian. Yeah. Most people might know the name Billy Graham, but who was Billy Graham and what was the 1959 crusade? Billy Graham was a Southern Baptist preacher. He was born at the end of World War I. Uh, and then after World War II, he emerged as one of the leading evangelists around the world. He'd speak to you know, packed stadiums all over the place. He'd have tea with the Queen and he'd be friends with presidents. A really influential figure. Probably spoke to more people in person than any other person mm. in history. And he was invited to Australia by all of the Protestant churches um, for a crusade in 1959. He was here for three months. He spoke um, you know, hundreds of times to thousands of people um, and uh, you know, packed out stadiums around the country. He, in fact, holds the record for attendance at the MCG. I mean, you know, the, yep. the, the cauldron of Australian religiosity um, is, uh, has the record held by Billy Graham. And, um, and you know, 130,000 people made a decision for Christ. It made a, a profound impact on the fabric of uh, Australian life. If you go back to the 1950s, uh, what was, is there a way of giving a short summary of what, Christian, what the Christian activity in Australia in the 1950s was? I think the 1950s is often viewed as a pretty stale decade. Um, not much happened and it was, uh, it was just a period of conservatism. But it was actually a period of a lot of um, dynamism in Australia and uh, particularly Australian religious life. So uh, a lot of people went to church regularly. Three out of 10 Australians said that they were in church every Sunday. Uh, people sent their kids to Sunday school. You didn't have a choice about that. Um, there was um, a healthy competition between denominations and a, sometimes a pretty fierce um, rivalry between Protestants and Catholics. And, um, and a sense in which, you know, everybody thought of themselves as part of a Christian country uh, and expressed that in different ways. Yeah. And, um, and uh, it was a decade as well in which uh, I think some of the seeds for change were starting to be seen, mm. but it, it, uh, it really wasn't clear that you'd have 
this tumult of the 60s following on after. So you have this really quite active church life. It's a really kind of just part of our culture. Get to the 1980s and it's very different. So what happened? It's hard to put your finger on one particular mm. thing that changed. Everything was changing in the 60s and 70s. I think it was a really energetic time as a result of that. But um, I think the, the big change, Carl, that took place was that people started to find their sense of identity, their source of identity, more and more within themselves. Mm. That, you know, I'm here to express my individuality rather than necessarily connect to a, a communal, a corporate sense of what it means to be to be me, what it means to be human, what it means to be Australian. Um, so there are lots of things changing. Some things are, are big and shocking, like um, you know, no-fault divorce and um, the, uh, the changes to um, Sunday trading and stuff like yep. that. There are also some really kind of banal things, like the Sunday night movie gets introduced and more people have cars and there are more options for other forms of entertainment. Mm. So there's a lot going on there. And, and in the midst of all of that, there's a change taking place, not just in going to church, but in what it means to be Australian. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, isn't it, to you? Because it, there was a bit like, it's not like people decided to stop going to church and then something, but there was something formulating in the way we thought about ourselves. What about the, the kind of Vietnam War and then you, you have this, we invent almost the teenage years. The, those two things, like the baby boomers and the Vietnam War, interacted with all of that as well. Yeah, it's certainly a period of a lot of tumult and I think the the kind of received authority figures mm. are more and more up for question and there's, and there's some justification for that. Uh, and I think there's a sense in which um, young people are, are looking for other forms of identity and entertainment and things like that. But what I found quite interesting is that those people uh, really talking about a crisis of faith or a, a changing nature of Australia Aren't, aren't the young people, they're not the baby boomers, they're actually the wartime generation, they're their parents, they're already leaders in society and they're the ones who are actually talking about a secular society, mm. about the decline of faith and in some ways strangely precipitating those changes. Yeah, we, we're just so used to research, everybody researches everything but there wasn't a lot of research around faith and belief and there's Hans Moll, what did he do and what was his research? Hans Moll was a Dutch Presbyterian sociologist, fascinating story. He was imprisoned by the Gestapo in World War II and came to faith pretty much on his deathbed and came out to Australia and started to explore how Australians think about their faith. And he conducted the first major study of the beliefs of Australians in 1966, right in the middle of all these changes. And he found, uh, interestingly enough, that um, the picture was better and worse than most people were saying. Mm. Uh, most people were pretty positive towards religion and the church. They thought, you know, the church had an important place in society um, and they thought that, you know, they believed in God and, and many affirmed that they went to, to church. But when Hans Moll drilled into what they actually thought about God and uh, what they actually um, believed about the Bible, he found that the content of their belief was a bit woolly. Mm. And, uh, and so he, he described Australia as either... Uh, a Christian nation in flight from religion or a heathen nation in search of one. Your research demonstrated that in the 1950s, church attendance was fairly regular and just a normal part of Australian society, yet we're settled by convicts and there's this notion that we've always been secular or secular from the beginning, but that, that doesn't sort of ring true with, a, with a, a nation that's turning up the church every week, it seems. 
Yeah, it's funny how powerful those ideas can be, but actually the evidence runs totally contrary. Mm. You know, often Australians have looked across the Pacific to America and saw the Pilgrim Fathers and saw that, you know, we're founded by the, the prodigal sons. But yep. actually the whole culture from which Australia came, uh, the British culture, was, was deeply Christian. Um, even if you're convicts, you know, often you know, convicts would have Bible verses tattooed on their bodies. Um, so it's a deeply Christian culture. And everywhere you look, if you have eyes to see, faith runs deep all the way through till the 1960s. Yeah. When this has changed over the, as we've been saying, between the 60s, 70s and 80s, so as you look at, coming out of your research, as you look at Australia now, are we just thoroughly secular? I think we're in a funny position in Australia now. And it's a bit like, you know, if you're driving along, say in a hole in Ute, and <laughs> uh, everything looks shiny on the outside, but you feel like, you know, the momentum's slowing and you tap the fuel gauge, oh, there's a problem there. And, and you maybe pull over and lift the lid and you realise that actually the oil hasn't been changed in a long time, that chassis decaying. It looks good on the outside, but something about the fundamental drivers of the things that we take for granted about being a cohesive society, about the dignity of the person, about um, what it means to uh, you know, think about a, a vision for life. A lot of those things that we got from the Christian faith, that we drew on deeply, aren't, aren't having their roots sustained in the same way. Mm. So I think we're not a secular society, not as secular as we think. We're certainly not as Christian as we were, um, but um, we perhaps uh, neglect that long story at our peril. Mm. And perhaps we need to think again about the ways in which Christian faith really gave depth and durability and freshness to what it meant to be Australian. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Olive Tree Media. Our vision is to create a library of resources that tell the story of the game-changing message of Jesus. This interview was recorded for our latest documentary, Faith Runs Deep. Our other award-winning series, Jesus the Game Changer and Towards Belief, plus many other small group, church and school series are available on our Watch Plus platform for a small monthly partnership. As you partner with us, you not only get access to compelling video content and interactive discussion guides, but you also support the creation of more resources that help share the gospel message. To become a partner and get access to Faith Runs Deep, visit olivetreemedia.com.au. Hugh, you told us about the number of people who came to listen to Billy Graham, but is there a way of assessing the impact of the 1959 Crusades? I think there is a personal impact and you can tell thousands of stories of people who you know, had their whole life transformed and, and started new lineages of faith in Australia. Uh, the stories of churches that were rejuvenated um, both by the energy of those who uh, were involved in the crusade, who started to take their faith seriously again, were trained, uh, and those who joined those churches. But I think more broadly, there's a sense in which uh, it affirmed the centrality of uh, Christian faith to what it meant to be Australian, at least for the next kind of 10, 15 years. Um, and I think it also helped position Australia as part of this bigger Christian world, uh, linking Australia to the United States and to Britain as well. But it's hard to see that continuing all the way through the crises of the 60s and 70s. The church in Australia responded to the 60s and 70s in, in different ways. There was a new movement in that period of time. What was that like? 
amongst all the crises of the 60s, often crises throw up new ways of doing things. So Christians were really on the front foot in thinking about, you know, how can we reach a culture that's changing? How can we do away with some of the things that are a bit out of date and don't fit Australian climes? Uh, there are a bunch of kind of counterculture hippies. They were part of a thing called the Jesus Movement. They often, you know, had long hair and rode Harley Davidson motorbikes and were um, considered to be uh, really on the fringes of normal church characters, but they were very energetic in reaching the culture and thinking deeply, not just about how do we reach hippies, but how do we um, capture what it means to be Australian today. Did it last? I think it had a lot of energy that transferred back into your normal churches. Uh, and you saw a lot of changes in the kind of songs that people sang, the liturgies that they might have said on a Sunday, the, the clothes they would wear to church. It kind of relaxed the culture and made a bridge for particularly young people from um, what's going on in the world to what, what's acceptable in church. But as with a lot of energy and, and change in revolutionary movements, often it's very hard to maintain that amongst the pressures of the world. Yeah. Here we're here in Scots College, we're in the eastern suburbs of Sydney in a wealthy area. What's the average student here like? The average student here, Carl, is a boy <laughs> who is a normal boy who likes to muck around with his mates on the over with the footy and, uh, and is interested in things and loves learning. But they tend to be boys who've got a, a pretty good head start in life. Mm. And, uh, and our job is to help them use that opportunity in the service of others. This seems like a very, very long way from Indigenous kids in regional areas, and yet there's a connection. What's the connection? So Indigenous students have always been part of the story of Scots. Uh, one of our first uh, students was an Indigenous boy who went on to be quite an influential figure in the community. But uh, today we have um, a number of students who are here uh, fully uh, on scholarship from communities all over Australia. Some boys uh, might live in a, in a city and come here as a border. Others might come from far northern Ar Arnhem Land and English is their third or fourth language. Uh, but they all come here and not just as Indigenous boys but as students, as Scots boys and fully embraced by the culture. And one of the exciting things about that, Carl, is not just that uh, they're given opportunities and, and an opportunity to um, pursue the dreams they have. But actually, Australian students, uh, whatever their background, get to know and love and embrace Indigenous people, Indigenous culture. Those cultures are a long way apart geographically, but they're a long way apart socially. How do, how do those boys from those regional areas, Indigenous boys, cope here? It's a big adjustment for yeah. some boys. It's a big adjustment for some of our international students or students who have come from small country mm. towns as well. Uh, we give them a lot of support. We have some wonderful Indigenous role models on our staff and, uh, and we want to set the same high standards for them as we do for any boy. And they bring so much to our community. Um, they bring their, their long culture, they bring their passion for their families, uh, they bring all the gifts and abilities they have and the, the school wouldn't be the same without them. Yeah, what, what do they go on to? to do? Because there's, there's clearly years of, of boys that have done that. What are the, some of the things they go on to do? Oh, it's really inspiring, Carl. They've gone on to pursue all sorts of different uh, callings in the world. Uh, a boy that I taught a few years ago is now a nurse. Uh, he studied nursing at university and is now um, doing that. Another boy is, um, uh, has trained up as a, a local police officer back in his community. Other boys are going on to uh, leadership in business and in, in education. Uh, and it's been really exciting to see their paths unfold before mm. them. These Indigenous boys come from these regional areas to here to the eastern suburbs. They would learn the history of Australia and their own history and the distance between their culture and what's represented here. Do they struggle with that? 
How do they cope with that? History is a warts and all thing. And truth uh, for Christians actually is about embracing the good stuff and the really ugly stuff. And so we teach, as schools would everywhere, teach the, the, the full history of Australia, uh, the things we're proud of and the things which we're not. And so in my own classes, we talk about um, the struggle for Indigenous rights and freedoms and, and talk about some of the Christian heroes of that story, people like um, David Unaipon and, and, and Doug Nichols and others. And I think for uh, the boys to see that story approached honestly and carefully and to see the really good stories as well as the hard things uh, is great for them but it's great for all of us and if we can in our school be a place that doesn't shy away from truth um, but brings to it our desire to seek the truth together then that's that's going to be really good not just for those students but for all the students who will go on to be leaders in our society. Hugh what does the school want to achieve in the area of Christian faith and the boys that attend? Yeah, we have boys from all sorts of faith backgrounds, no faith backgrounds, all sorts of cultures coming to the school. And we wanna give them an opportunity to explore for themselves who is Jesus? Uh, what does the Bible say about life? What does it say about the, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the future? And what's their response going to be to the person and work of Jesus? Uh, and we wanna give them lots of opportunities to not just get that intellectually, but get their hands dirty in mm. serving others. Hugh, this series is called Faith Runs Deep. How do you see faith running deep in the Australian culture? I think faith in Australia has never been ostentatious and in your face. It's often been kind of subtle and unassuming, but if you have eyes to see, it's everywhere. And I think some of the, the hunches, the urges, the longings that we have in our culture, in our very secular culture, you know, for justice, freedom, for the fair go, um, even in the way we call out churches and Christian leaders for hypocrisy, it's really hard for us not to go back to Jesus mm -hmm. and his teachings, his vision for life when we think about what the good life is. So even though a lot of Australians might not go to church anymore, uh, might not know the Bible and might not ascribe to the Christian faith, it's there. And I think that God is doing interesting things with new people coming to Australia and, uh, and I think that faith uh, has a long way to go in this country. Thank you for joining me on this podcast as I unearth stories of faith in Australia. To watch the full Faith Runs Deep series and all Olive Tree Media content, go to olivetreemedia.com.au and sign up to the Watch Plus platform and partner with us today.